Let's sit. Let's learn. Let's evolve. Let's talk. No more whispering in our mind. Today is Let's Talk Black Politics with your host, Chelsea Wadigo. Hey, this is Chelsea Wadigo. Um, I'm Manjali and South Sound woman and I want to um, acknowledge uh, the traditional custodians of the land in which we're yarning from today and the land in which you're listening from. And as usual, I'm joined with my co-host, Dr David Singh. Good afternoon, Chelsea. So pleased to be here again. Um, now, on Thursdays, we talk black politics and we've explored a whole range of um themes around black politics from rage and refusal um, and we wanted to talk about solidarity and initially when we were thinking about this program we were thinking about solidarity with settlers for some strange reason um, and today is not that episode uh, we want to talk about solidarity and um, solidarity specifically in the context of black Palestinian solidarity which for me is a much more refreshing yarn to have about solidarity um, than the one we're forced to have with settlers less. Um, so this week we're very fortunate to be joined by two special guests, Ramsey Barad and Jamal Nabulzi, to talk about black Palestinian solidarity. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I do have a really great bio, but um, in the tradition of our show, we invite you to tell us about who you are, who's your mob, and uh, a bit about what you do. Uh, well, uh, thank you very much for having us, first of all. Uh, such pleasure to, uh, to be talking to you and, and par particularly talking about these issues that I consider to be critical, yet somehow they are absent from the discourse of, of solidarity, whether in the case of Palestine or beyond pa uh, Palestine. Uh, my name is Ramzi Baroud. I was born and raised in a refugee camp in the Gaza Strip. My parents come from a village um, in historic Palestine. It uh, no longer exists on, on the map because the, um, the Israeli Zionists have destroyed it along with 500 other villages uh, in 1947-1948. So I was raised in a refugee camp and, and uh, regardless of where I am in the world, I always um, mark my existence based on two, um, two particular areas. My refugee camp in Gaza, it's called uh, Nusayrat, and the village from which my ancestors came from, and it's called Bedaras. Mm -hmm. And I, um, even though my kids have never been to that village, and, um, and only one of them been to my refugee camp, they also identify as such, even though they were born and raised in the city of Seattle in Washington State. Mm, thank you. Mm. And uh, I'm Jamal Nabulsi. I'm a diaspora Palestinian. Um, I was born and raised uh, as a settler here on Yagara and Turbul land. Um, but my, my Palestinian family uh, hail from uh, the city of Nablus, uh, which is what my last name means, actually. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm very proud to be um, Nablusi as a, as a place uh, in Palestine that's renowned uh, for its resistance. Um, it's the nickname of the city is uh, Jabal Nar, which means um, the mountain of fire, um, which basically speaks to the long history of uh, anti-colonial resistance um, by Palestinians uh, from Nablus specifically. Yeah, thank you. Um, now, we um, are having an event in Mianjin on a Thursday evening, a special community dinner to talk about black Palestinian solidarity. Um, but I'm... I'm I just wonder, in terms of the start of this conversation, for our listeners, wherever they are listening from, um, what do they need to know about the Palestinian plight right now? 
Um, well, um, what they need to know is that um, um, that what they hear and and watch in mainstream media is not only half truths, but um, actually has doesn't even overlap with any semblance of truth to what's going on in Palestine. Um, it's quite sad, actually, that in societies like the United States that prides itself on having these major media companies and freedom of speech and all of that, Palestinian voices are so muted and marginalized uh, to the extent that um, we we are almost never consulted, we are, we are never heard of, we are always hidden from view. And the narrative on Palestine is entirely shaped or almost entirely shaped by pro, uh, pro-Israeli voices. Um, and as such, we are finding ourselves constantly trying to even fight for the right to have a voice as opposed to actually impress our, um, um, our rights and, and, and how critical for us to achieve these rights and, and our freedom and justice in Palestine um, uh, all the time. Just the fact that we are here and that we are exist is quite often seen as offensive mm. uh, in its own, especially in mainstream Western media, especially in in the United States. And sadly, as of late, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not as familiar with the media landscape in Australia, but it turned out that actually we have greater margins within the United States that we actually have in Australia. That was quite sad, actually, to discover. Mm. I thought we are beyond that point. So we want people to know that we uh, we exist and we are fighting, uh, not just for our rights as Palestinians, but we are fighting for the rights of all indigenous people all over the world. It's one and the same. It's not a specific um, geographic fight that is confined to uh, a place far away from here. It's your fight if you think about it. Uh, through uh, the prism of global justice and, mm. and, and freedom. Can I ask, mm. is, is that what brought you to journalism in terms of... It, it, it really is. In fact, I started my career as a journalist. I was a 16-year-old and I was working as a full-time journalist in a refugee camp in the Gaza Strip. It was very, very frustrating, uh, um, you know, living in Gaza uh, under quite often, during the first Palestinian uprising, that's 1987, uh, all the death and the destruction imposed by Israel and the Israeli army. Yet, um, you know, wherever we turn the radio knob at any in any direction, we're not there. And this, the story is always told by the Israeli army. It's always told by the Israeli government. And, and so there was this kind of almost like this innate, you know, need to like, no, we need to balance this out. They need to know mm. that we are we are enduring so much and we are being dehumanized and we are being killed on regular basis. So it really was more of a mission. It wasn't this privileged love for journalism <laughs> and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and after all these years, I'm still carrying on with that same principle in mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I just, I mean, think about the work of Amy Maguire, who'll be joining us um, for 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 the gathering and um, you know that the fight for justice is um, there are, there are many warriors in in many different contexts operating together the academic uh, the journalist um, those literally on the front line um, and I'm really into the artist you know mm. um, that we all have a job to play in in resisting and fighting for justice um, in different contexts. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and if I may add, uh, just taking a little bit more than my fair share, um, one question I was asked in, in the first uh, presentation at the, uh, at the Adelaide uh, Writers Week and Festival was, um, you know, the, the theme of the discussion was, you know, should writers take sides? 
And it, it just, it bewildered me a Was it a white bit. person that asked you that? <laughs> a very nice white person. <laughs> <laughs> But then it, it immediately, I mean, the question, although innocently asked, it reeked with privilege mm. in the sense that I never really thought about, I mean, of course you have to take sides. It's for us as Palestinians, for, for people who are fighting for their, for their very basic rights and recognitions, It's not even a philosophical question. <laughs> It's about survival, mm. you know. And and so, um, yes, if, if you are not taking side as an intellectual, you're in the wrong business. You're not mm. doing it right. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, and also if, if someone's telling lies, well, someone's got to tell the truth. You know, exactly. and truth telling is exactly. is is um, it's it's yeah. This 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 claim, I and mean, we have it, uh, you know, as academics, and particularly in the health sciences, of this idea of objectivity and impartiality, and it's 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 that that in itself is it's, it's a lie. It's mm. it's um, that is taking a side in and of itself of claiming that position. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Jamal, you've been living here for a little while. What do people need to know? What Um, I think, yeah, and just sort of affirming everything that um, Ramsey was saying as well, like I think there's this general um, sort of common understanding and it's shaped by, you know, the mainstream media and the sort of mainstream discourse around Palestine of it's this sort of two-sided conflict, mm -hmm. um, it's a sort of... Uh, you know, it's a or it's a religious fight, or it's um, you know, it's like this ancient um, sort of battle that's been going on for millennia, which is all just completely untrue. Um, so I think um, the sort of fundamental thing that I think people here should understand about Palestine um, is that <clears throat> it is Palestinians. We are an indigenous people um, fighting against a settler colonial regime. Um, and of course there are differences between here and there, um, significant differences, but that's, there's that fundamental similarity, mm. um, that we are similarly indigenous people, um, fighting settlers, um, fighting for our land, which is, uh, just as here constantly being taken away, um, in very, very violent ways. Yep. Um, so Yeah, I think it's basically uh, the one thing I'd say, throw out that frame of understanding um, and, you know, see it as an Indigenous fight. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, now, Ramsey, I um, caught up with one of your TikToks um, last night and it got me really thinking. So I want to ask you some questions about it. And it was about um, Palestinian solidarity um, and... Um, uh, having it equated with uh, being anti-Semitic um, and I can relate to that um, in more recent events on Twitter of being accused of that in the course of, um, you know, expressing Palestinian solidarity. And you, you, you said um, Palestinian solidarity is not a moral question but a political truth and that you actually don't engage with the argument. Um, uh, how did you arrive at that place? Well, 25 years of being accused of being an anti-Semite, you yeah. kind of realize that, okay, obviously this is not, it's not part of any sort of intellectual dialectic. This is not, mm. um, it's, it's really not meant to be a question that we need to sit together and talk about how do we resolve it? Because we're not talking about 
real anti-Semitism. I mean, yes, of course, there are anti-Jewish people out there, but we're not talking about people who want to burn down synagogues or stereotype Jews. It has nothing to do with that conversation. Mm-hmm. Our problem in Palestine is with, a, with settler colonialism that is predicated on principles of European nationalism that resulted in the Zionist movement. This is an entirely new phenomenon. The reason that they keep referring to any pro-Palestinian voice as anti-Semitic is it supposed to be, it shuts down the conversation entirely Mm. and it also immediately puts you on the defensive. And we know that some people pay the heavy price for that kind of accusations. How many academics lost their jobs throughout the years? How many concerts have been cancelled? How many lectures have been dismissed? How many people, you know, spend many years of their lives trying to fight in court against defamation? And, And even when we feel like we have succeeded, we have won this case against the... But at the end of the day, we're not talking about Palestine anymore. Mm. We are talking about we are not what you, what you say we are. And that is the real victory because the Zionists are really not winning legally against us in that case. But they are winning, uh, the, the, the winning strategically in terms of getting us to focus on something else entirely. So the distraction campaign is actually working. So my idea here is do not engage. And this is the, this is the recommendation I have made uh, uh, during the attack on Jeremy Corbyn and, and the Labour Party uh, for their pro-Palestine stance years ago. And, and, I, and, and they kept issuing one statement after the other trying to prove that they are not anti-Semitic. And the point is, you don't understand. This will never be resolved. Um, and, and that's why. Do not engage. And, and if you must engage, engage in a very calculated manner. Mm. But don't allow this to be a major distraction. Because we need to be talking about Nablus, about Gaza, about Jenin, about Palestinian refugees, about the right of return, about the siege. These are the issues that matter. Not for an anti, for a pro, pro-justice, pro-liberation, an anti-racist activist to demonstrate to to the Zionist that he's actually a good person and is not an anti, anti-Semitic. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> I hear you. Um, you. You go on to say about we must remain focused on justice and peace. And I struggle with those ideas. I mean, I'm, I'm curious about justice and peace um, and I'm, I'm not sure what it is. And I'm, I'm just curious about what does justice and peace mean for you in the face of unrelenting violence? I think justice and peace for us Palestinians, this the term, in fact, the, this, this, the specific ordering of the words is, is, is a political term. Um, why is that? Because um, late 70s, Henry Kissinger and, and other American foreign policy makers began pushing this idea that peace is possible based on certain kind of concessions. The term justice was dropped out of the conversation on Palestine. Uh, and with the Oslo, so-called Oslo peace process, the word justice was no longer mentioned. So we entered into a whole different shift in political discourse. Let's talk about peace. Let's talk about peace process. This requires painful compromises. Palestinians need to concede. They need to stop inciting for violence. This whole thing about anti-colonial struggles and liberation movements and global south, this is old news the Soviet Union collapsed, the Global South doesn't exist as a geopolitical entity, move on and talk about peace only. And this is why we insisted on accentuated the element of justice and put it on top, before that of peace. 
without equality, without justice, without true freedom, not political. There are certain things cannot be cannot be subject to political compromises. Mm. My freedom as a human being is not open for negotiations. The right of return to my people as refugees is not open for political negotiations. Once we establish these basic elements of justice, then we can talk about peace. At, at that point, it becomes a political compromise. But we need to establish justice first and foremost. Mm. That's 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 interesting, right? Because there are echoes of that argument in those who uh, do not buy into the idea of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. What precisely are you reconciling with, and what are you prepared to forego in the act of reconciliation? There is no reckoning, and I think I heard some of that in what Ramsey was outlining uh, there just now. Interesting. Mm, I mean, where you know, and there's conversations going on at the moment about you know truth-telling processes, which really are about, from from what I understand, or some of these processes, often us laying bare our wounds, but no justice or accountability for the violence inflicted upon black bodies. It's more a spectacle, mm. um, and so yeah, I think there, there's yeah the danger in the discourse and the way in which it. We are off from what exactly we're seeking. I guess I struggle with justice because when we talk about justice, often we're thinking about it within a legal framework, um, within a violent legal mm. framework built upon our very erasure. Um, and so, you know, I think about the work of Amy and sort of what is black justice? What does it look like on our terms? I'm curious, Jamal, how you think about justice and, and what that means for you. Yeah. Um Oh, big, big question. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I think there in Palestine, um, uh, as well as here, perhaps, because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm learning constantly, um, you know, from from uh, leading intellectuals like you, Chelsea, um, about specifically about sovereignty, about indigenous sovereignty, um, and then always thinking about that as well in terms of a Palestinian indigenous sovereignty. Um, and so I think... Justice uh, in an indigenous context has to be grounded in in sovereignty. Um, it's and it also has to be abolitionist as well. Mm. I'm not interested in a justice that's based on um, punishment, that's based on innocence and guilt, um, or you know, founded in a legal system. Um, I'm I'm interested in um, you know creating abolitionist understandings of justice and striving for those. Yeah, a whole reimagining, not reinforcing the existing mm, violent framework exactly. of which we're existing in. Um, just, I guess, on that, I'm, you know, we're talking about Black Palestinian solidarity, and 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 just to think about it in this place, I'm curious, um, Ramsey, about what is your advice to Palestinians who are uh, living in settler colonial states elsewhere, and what is what do you think solidarity should be in that context? I, I can't. I can't even believe yesterday when I heard the term in one of in one seminar or or um, lecture at the at the uh, festival at the Adelaide festival where uh, a Palestinian intellectual uh, began her talk by recognizing the rights of the indigenous people who lived in this land and all this acknowledgement. And she says, "I am a Palestinian and I'm a settler." And that shocked me. I've mm. never heard in my life the term Palestinian being used in that we are fighting the illegal settlers. We are not the settlers. We so in that context, and of course I fully understand why she said that, and it is it is true. But it it for me as a Palestinian, the term settler is it's a representation of something bigger. Mm-hmm. Settler is 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 uh 
is the antithesis of what we Palestinians stand for. And I don't mean settler in the, in the, in the functional sense, but settler as a representation of colonialism. We Palestinian are, Palestinians are not colonialists, and we have very little history, even since the time of the Hyksos, of being colonialists in, in, in that sense. But then here we are. You know, I, I live in, 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 uh, in the United States. I was not invited by the Northwest uh, natives of, of, of America to uh, relocate there. The historical injustices against them have never really been resolved or redeemed in any satisfactory way. And yet here I am. And I, I do. I do struggle with that concept. And sometimes I, I, I feel like I kind of fantasize about this idea that even at a symbolic level, if indigenous people uh, give honorary citizenships to people who come from the same background, mm-hmm. I would feel a lot more comfortable with that concept than being a settler mm-hmm. uh, myself. So, and I think the, the best way that we Palestinians have to contend with this fact, that per circumstances, perhaps beyond our control, we become settlers in a sense, is that number one, we have to have that kind of self-awareness mm-hmm. that this is the case. Uh, and second, to create channels of solidarity and intersectionality with with our sisters and brothers and comrades living in these new spaces. So instead of being a hindrance or as, as you know, instead of being just another num you know, another bodies of settlers in their land to actually be their allies in, mm-hmm. in a common fight for justice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jamal, how do you navigate that positioning? Yeah, yeah, I think, um, yeah, that's, yeah, really interesting and insightful, uh, Ramsey. And I think, yeah, you're definitely right. It's, um, I think it's particularly difficult for Palestinians specifically to say, I'm a settler. Because for us, like, a settler, it, um, it brings up images of, like, Israeli settlers uh, in the West Bank or, you know, formerly in, in Gaza before um, they withdrew from there, like Israeli settlers with, uh, you know, carrying assault rifles, these apparent civilians carrying assault rifles, you know, burning down Palestinian homes, yep. uh, these really incredibly, um, like, violent um, people. That's the image that we attach to the notion of settler. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very, very, I think it's very difficult to, to name yourself as a settler. But at the same time, I think that's what kind of uh, makes it so important as well to, to recognise that still um, s- structurally as someone who, uh, you know, was born here, like I was, you know, I raised, uh, 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 like I was raised um, eating food that was grown on stolen land. Like my body is literally... Um, mm-hmm. It created through uh, settler colonial appropriation, um, like it's it's it makes it even more crucial to to recognise this fact and the fact that um, that uh, you know structurally we still benefit from the settler colonialism of these lands um, that we live. Uh, but I think it um, affords us a particular kind of insight into what it means to be a settler as well because you feel the kind of full weight of the violence of it because you have this image of what, of, you know, this really sort of, um, uh, you know, outwardly violent um, uh, settler. You sort of, you you feel the full weight of what it means to be a settler in a place. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's also difficult. I mean, 
I think part of the reason that uh, Palestinians, uh, I believe more than other um, immigrant communities here have uh, sought solidarity with Indigenous peoples is because uh, we are born uh, with a kind of fundamental contradiction in our lives. Mm. As an Indigenous people who can't return to our land, not in any meaningful way anyway, um, you know, sure, okay, we can... Like me personally, I can go back uh, on a three-month three Israeli visa. Uh, maybe I will get in, maybe I won't get in. I uh, have to go through the indignity of, you know, being issued a tourist visa mm. by the coloniser to my own homeland, uh, go through hours of interrogation to get there. And this is a position of absolute privilege amongst Palestinians, by the way. Mm. Um, and so... We have this fundamental contradiction at the heart of our lives uh, in that we're indigenous people who cannot return to our land, but we are here benefiting from settler colonialism. And so I think increasingly and interestingly, I, I do think it's been a realisation amongst uh, Palestinians in so-called Australia, um, perhaps more than um, in the US or other places. And I'd be interested to hear your take on this, Ramsey. Um, uh, of of realizing that position of of being a settler and amongst Palestinians here, it's really become quite um, yeah quite common to recognize that and to work to build solidarity from that position. I work to build an indigenous solidarity from that position of being a settler. Yeah, mm. I mean, because you know um, what we've experienced here um, uh, as blackfellas, as being first nations and first raced in this place, is that we occupy the lowest rung on the hierarchy, and um, the, the possibility for those that come to this place to seek proximity to whiteness and to step on um, the backs of blackfellas. And, and, and sadly, there are some that are appealing to that, who, who, who seek proximity um, uh, to whiteness. And uh, for blackfellas, you know, there's sometimes a sense of betrayal, particularly from settlers, settlers of colour, of mm -hmm. not being in solidarity with us um, and seeing our shared struggle rather than... Um, you know, a appealing to the mm. um, the violent foundations of this place. David, you've got a few people talking outside of the program because you've often positioned yourself, regularly positioned yourself as a settler of colour. Mm. Um, can you talk about how you arrived at that? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm listening to Ramsey, Jamal and yourself, I, I mean, I'm originally from the UK, a place which had a direct hand in the dispossession of uh, your lands. In both cases, um, this kind of imperial cartography just sweeping away generation after generation of, of kind of possession. Um, I insist on calling myself a, a settler because I want to model the accountability that I know um, is disavowed. Uh, I want to model the kind of anti-racism that, that challenges the anti-blackness that exists within communities of colour in this place and elsewhere. Um, there is obviously a price to be paid for that, but nowhere near those who are on the sharp end uh, of those discriminatory practices. Um, I think it's essential to my anti-racist practice. Um, it's not always easy. easy. Um, I can stuff up. Mm -hmm. I can get it wrong. Um, it's no by no means a polished position. But the thing is, I think, is if I'm not, if I'm not kind of revisiting my anti-racism in that way by declaring myself a settler, then my anti-racism is effectively, it's ossified. It is, it is, it is inert. Uh, anti-racism needs to change. It needs to transform. It needs to respond to circumstances. And Ramsey talked about 
intersectional solidarities. And I think that that's key. I, I think that that's key. I, I'm struck by how so few people, though, join me uh, in that kind of thinking. Uh, and it's, it, it's tremendously dispiriting. And when I go back to the UK and I insist that anti-racists of colour there take responsible, responsibility for dispossession elsewhere in the world, and they won't, um, I'm struck by how, how fresh and renewed our thinking is in this place. Um, and I think something special is happening here. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I've really been thinking about solidarity and what it means for myself um, and for others in, in those relationships because it's a reciprocal relationship. And, and I think while solidarity um, can offer comfort, the act and practice of solidarity is not a comfortable one. It forces us to deal with all kinds of ethical challenges and, and, you know, what is their ethics of practice in the course of solidarity? Um, and I noticed in your book that you gave me, Ramsey, there was a chapter around ethics. Um, and I, I'm yeah, curious about, um, you know, it's, um, yeah, solidarity means having critical conversations. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not, not easy work. Um, it's, yeah, absolutely. It's certainly not. I, I think, uh, first, I, I'd like to mention that the, the, the term settler here suggests, suggests a sense of agency mm -hmm. uh, to it. I don't know if Palestinian refugees, I mean, if you or, or senior Syrian refugees or Afghan refugees or people, you know, coming, you know, traveling from one place to the other on top of a, a rickety rubber boat, you know, across the sea can be considered settlers in that sense. There was no, very little element of agency uh, in, in, mm -hmm. in, in, that, in that regard. So I feel like we have to kind of really make very clear distinction between the two concepts, but that doesn't... It doesn't mean that once you arrive to that, to whatever that new society you're in, there is still no element of self-definition involved. There are indeed wealthy Palestinians, for example, that live in, in the United States, and they would like to see themselves closer to the white component of society because they feel like that's where the validation comes from, that's where power comes from, that's where prestige comes from, that's where wealth comes from. And if you want to rise in the ranks of society, uh, it's not, from a functional point of view, it's not the smartest thing to come and create solidarity with Native Americans. Mm. They don't see it that way. And I think the issue of class in our societies is like one of the most neglected uh, topics of conversation. But it's absolutely critical to how we make our choices as societies, whether in Palestine itself or outside of Palestine. Mm -mm. In the context of solidarity, and I'm, I know we're, we're rushed for time, but I, I, I guess I want to finish in this place because the, um, uh, the place that I've arrived at in terms of where I exhaust my labour is speaking to my own people um, and not the appeal um, to, to settlers, but um, the conversations we have with each other and those critical conversations we have with each other and what it means to be in solidarity as a people. Given your, you know, your experience and your work, what is the message you want to say to your own people about um, uh, solidarity? We're yarning about even working in the media space. Um. Absolutely. I think for many years, we Palestinians, I mean, we went through various periods in, in, in our struggle and various types of collective realizations. I would say up to the 70s and all the way perhaps to the mid 80s, Palestine was very much oriented in the global south. Our uh, comrades, our allies, our friends were 
from South Africa to Venezuela to Nicaragua to India. Over time, especially with the signing of the Oslo Peace Accords, we kind of took off the khaki uniforms and we replaced them with suits and ties and we began thinking the answer comes from Washington and Washington only. Decades later, so much loss, uh, pain, uh, uh, war, genocides in Gaza, sieges, and we realized that that was an absolute and utter mistake. We are losing the global south and we are not winning the north because the north is settler colonial and that mentality is just not going to change. Nobody is going to concede rights for you, whether you are a Palestinian or a Maori or, or anyone coming from anywhere. Your rights will not be conceded. They will have to be demanded. They have to be exacted. It's as simple as mm -hmm. that. So now there has been a rediscovery of that strategic uh, expanse that we have in the global south. And personally, I'm one of many Palestinians who've been traveling a lot in Africa and various parts of Asia and, and, and South America and trying to rediscover our roots. Uh, let's remember that it was Africa that actually introduced the resolution at the United Nations that Zionism is a form of racism and it was part of the African struggle against you know, settler colonialism in, in Africa's own territories. Uh, and the world, care, you know, it wasn't even the Arabs who suggested that Zionism was racism, it was the Africans. Um, and now we are trying to kind of rediscover that. We want to go back to Africa. We want to go and, and, and rekindle that solidarity and what I call functional solidarity. Because mm. solidarity can sometimes be mistaken for other things. It's not a sentimental thing. It's not about mm. emotions. Hello. It's about something functional, something real. Mm. I need to give you something and you need to give me something back. Not because we are usurpers but because our strength can only be maximized through our unity. And if we don't find that functional unity and solidarity amongst us, it's just gonna all be poetry and prose at the end of the day, and it will not trans translate to anything meaningful. Mm. Functional mm. solidarity. Um, Jamal, I'm gonna leave closing words with you um, in thinking about you know, the intellectual work, political work that you do. Um, and, you know, uh, we started off with what, what do our listeners need to know, but in terms of when you speak to your own people, how has that, where's that been for you and what's, what's driving you now? Um, yeah, something I think that um, one of the great strengths of solidarity is, um, is learning from each other, basically, because um, there's so much to learn from the, you know, rich traditions of resistance, um, you know, in this case, here um, and in Palestine. Um, and I think something that I've learned so much about here is um, about sovereignty, what it means to embody indigenous sovereignty um, and fight from that sovereignty. Um, and I think this idea can really resonate with um, Palestinians. Like sovereignty is not a word that's, um, let's say, in the kind of... Um, like Palestinian activists lexicon, um, you know, sovereignty uh, for Palestinians, typically this will refer to state sovereignty. And this is changing, this is changing a bit where indigenous conceptions of sovereignty are sort of uh, coming into Palestinian discourses just sort of starting now. Mm. Um, but it's always been, you know, uh, resistance and struggle and, um, uh, you know, things like sumud uh, in Arabic, which is like steadfastness, um, other concepts. Mm. Um, but I think this idea of sovereignty um, can offer something really powerful mm. for Palestinians uh, because it means a turn 
back towards uh, the land of Palestine in its entirety um, and back towards uh, the Palestinian people in their entirety, um, both of which have in the sort of uh, Palestinian uh, authority pursuit of a kind of state sovereignty, uh, limited state sovereignty, uh, these things have been sold out um, and sold out in the name of peace, um, Mm. like we were talking about before. Um, And so... I think something that I want to do in terms of talking to Palestinians is to try and communicate um, these incredibly rich um, traditions of um, thinking about Indigenous sovereignty as something that's embodied and see what does it mean for Palestinians to, um, you know, translate uh, our own understandings of being and resisting Mm. uh, into this um, language of sovereignty and what can that open up for us. And also in that process... um, in that process of standing in solidarity, create a kind of, uh, then so convey those ideas back and then, uh, you know, bounce off each other, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we've gone way over time um, and we're going to continue this conversation. We, um, the Institute of Collaborative Race Research, um, hosting a community dinner tonight at Jagger Hall where we continue this conversation joined by Amy McGuire. Um, and so uh, uh, if you haven't got your tickets, I don't know, um, go to the ICRR mm. website. Um, and there are also um, some deadly T-shirts are available for sale, designed by Matt Chun, I believe. Yeah. Um, you would have seen them all over socials. Um, uh, and I really welcome you. I think with the the that conversation will be available um, after the event. And I just welcome our listeners to continue to be engaged in the conversation uh, to learn more, to think more. And I've just it's been such an enriching yarn. Just sharing the strategizing. Um, there are different kinds of violence enacted here to there that is not comparable. Um, and violence manifests in all kinds of insidious ways in this place, but the strategizing, the logics that we work to, and, and it's been re- just, I really appreciated that, that conversation and I look forward to continuing mm. it to, to think about um, uh, our stance and our strategy um, in the ongoing fight against settler colonialism locally and globally. Mm. Thank you so much for your time. Thank, Thank you so much. No more whispering in our mind. Let's talk. Monday to Friday at 9am on AAA Murray Country, the National Indigenous Radio Service and iHeartRadio. You can catch up on AAA.org.au, proudly supported by the Community Broadcast Foundation.